Happy New Year. Good to see everyone here this morning. Welcome everybody who's tuned in online. Do us a favor, like and share this service as you watch it today from the comfort of your home or if you're traveling, I want to say hello to my good friend Luis Rios. He's traveling this morning and say, hey, welcome to the service. Welcome everybody to the service today. Today we begin our fast. Uh, I'm going to uh, Daniel fast. Uh, you fast however you like, but I'm going to Daniel fast. That's how I'm going to handle the fast, but we're going to begin to fast and pray for the next uh, two, two weeks. So we'll start today and we'll end in, in two Sundays from now is where we'll end. And so I just want to encourage you to, to join us on the fast uh, this, this, this week and, and next week. Yeah, I need that bag. Uh, welcome. Any first-time guests in the house today? If you're a first-time guest, brought a first-time guest, raise your hand all over the building. There's one. There's one. Come on. Just help, your, help him. Raise your hand. Help. There's one right there. Raise your Come on. Just rush to them right now. There's one here. There's a couple there. There's a couple over there. Just rush to them right now and bless them. Come on. All of our congregation, make our guests feel welcome today. We're so happy you're with us. I believe God has a plan for you today. God has a plan for you today, so we're glad you're here today. They're, they're just setting up uh, some of the stuff I'm going to share with you today. Uh, I don't know whose dress this is, but thank you for letting me use it. Don't let me get it dirty or anything. Whose dress is that, Dawn? Oh, I'll take good care of it. Phew. Uh, so was there another, there was another announcement. What was it? There's a men's breakfast. What else is there? That's it? Okay, good, great, awesome. Let's receive the offering today, amen? We're glad you're here. Let's receive the offering today. My text is going to be 1 Thessalonians 4, so you can take that and open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 4. That's where we'll start today. I'm glad you're here. And uh, like I was saying earlier, today's a pretty significant day on your calendar for 2023. Uh, it's the first day of the year, and it's a Sunday. Yeah, and I want you to grab the, 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 you know, the significance of that. It's the first day of the year, and it's a Sunday. Um, what, I, what I know to be true by experience and, and biblical reference is that how a thing starts determines how a thing ends. You, you need to pay attention to me because I'm talking to the future, uh, your, the success in your future. How a thing starts determines how a thing ends. That's right, that's right. It, it, and if it starts compromised, guess what's going to happen? You don't need to, you don't, just in your, in your experience of life, if you start something and it is compromised, I promise you, unless there is a miraculous move of God in your life that, that goes back and pulls the seed of destruction that was sown, unless that happens, unless there's repentance, unless there's, you know, that comes through, through a move of God and, and, and repentance to Jesus, unless that happens, the thing will end as it began, as it was sown. And so, it, uh, conversely, it's true as well. Uh, if today you say, you make up in your mind, today I'm going to begin strong in 23, 2023. I'm going to start strong. I'm going to raise, I'm going to make a decision today to raise my family strong in the Lord in the power of his mind. I'm returning to the scriptures. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to begin to fellowship with God. I'm going to leave my light on with God and never turn it off. I'm not, I'm not just going to pray in the morning and pray in the evening. I'm going to pray without ceasing in 2023. You know that's possible to pray without ceasing. A lot of people, you know what people call, what people call prayer today? I call a special session with God. 
Honestly, I've, I've known, I've, you, you, those of us that understand that, understand what I just said. You, you call it prayer, but th- those are just special meeting times with God. Like, th- those are times when we go back into the chamber uh, uh, alone with God and we meet. But prayer is supposed to be, uh, it's never supposed to stop. You know that. Your prayers be- be- between you and God are never supposed If me and my wife are in a room, if we're in a room, our fellowship does not stop because there's more people in the room. You, we could talk with our eyes. I'll look at her and she'll know exactly what I just said. You know, you could talk to God the same way. You could be in a crowded space. You could be at work. You could be at home. You could be in a party. You could be, you could be in the middle of hell. You could be in the middle of, of the pit of hell and you can have a conversation with God and nobody be aware of it but you and him. And you can change the atmosphere of that place with your conversation with God. So I want to encourage you to, to you know, as we begin 2023, to start strong. If you, if you didn't give, God, give to God in 23, you might want to start in, in, in 22. You might want to start in 23. And, and there's, you know, there's a place in the Bible where God says, you can test me in this, and I'll show you how good I'll be to you. It's in, it's in your, your tithe. He says, if you, want, if you want to see how good my promise is to you, Try me, try me, and I'll show you. I'll show you that I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'll become a source and make everything else in your life a resource. And I just want to encourage you in 23 to begin, begin strong. Start strong today. Make a statement today of faith that sets the, the pace for the rest of this year. Make a statement today in faith that sets the pace of 23. Make a statement today that says, this is what I'm believing for, God. I mean, let me ask you this question. If I were to ask you, Who are you? In one word, could you reply to me with who you are? Think about it. Now, who are you supposed to be? Oh, and who you are is convicted by who you are supposed to be. And in 23, I want you I want us to work incrementally, day by day, line by line, minute by minute, day, hour by hour. Let's not work on who we are. Let's work on who we're supposed to be. And it starts today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as you give today, uh, the ways to give are on the screen there. And you could take a picture of that. If you're in the black seats, you could take a picture of the seat right in front of you. It'll help you get connected. It'll help you stay connected. You'll, you won't be disconnected because you'll know, you know, you'll have the app. And you'll, we'll give you all the, the, the details of what's happening here at Church on the North Coast. Lots going on all the time at Church on the North Coast. I'm planning a trip to Israel. So uh, how many would like to go to Israel with me in 23? You want to go? Amen. That's a lot of people. I, I want to take about 100 people this time. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We are not doing a payment system. Nope. I've learned from that. We're not doing a payment system. If you want to go, you're going to take out your credit card, and you're going to pay for it all at once, and they're going to lock yourself in. Because what will happen is, would you put 500 down, and then we'll go all the way through the year, and nobody will save any money for the, for the event. And then we'll get all the way to the event, and they'll be like, can I get my 500 back, please? And I'm like, no, you can't get it back. We need that to secure what we're going at, you know, what we're going to do when we get there. So if you want to go, it all has to be paid up front. Now, now that I said that, how many people want to go to Israel and 
Amen. See, that was the same thing that happened the other night. That's awesome. Yeah. So there'll be a meeting coming up, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. So hold it up before God. Let's, let's, let's pray for your gift this morning. Father, thank you for every gift, every giver in the house. We bless your name. We thank you, God, that as we sow this in the natural, uh, we reap it. Uh, and it looks like heaven. We thank you for heaven on earth right now. Heaven on earth. So it goes in looking like a dollar, but it comes out looking like healing. It goes in looking like a dollar, but it comes out looking like restoration. Thank you for heaven on earth today. We bless your name and thank you. Amen. Amen. As you receive that, take your Bible. Uh, go with me to First Thessalonians, a very common uh, piece of, of scripture that uh, we read often, and I'm going to talk about the rapture today. How many of y'all knew that? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the rapture. Now, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it, but there's a lot of people that have strong feelings about the rapture. And I just want to, I just want to relieve you today. I don't know what theology you come from, but what I know to be true, and you know, is this, um, uh, that Jesus is not going to send anybody to hell for, for misinterpreting when he's coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if your Jesus is fixing to send you to hell because you got hit the time of his arrival wrong, I'm like, I, I'm sorry, but that's not the heart of Jesus, all right? He's not going to send you to hell. For, but what he does say is, you got to be ready, right? So you, you just got to be ready, whether, it's, whether you want to go through pain and suffering, you want to go through all the way through the tribulation, you want to see all the seven seals of revelation unfold. If you want to do that, and that's the Jesus you believe, would do, I, that's up to you. You go ahead and do that. But me, I believe contextually that you, I've read it a few times, y'all. Now, I've read, and what's fascinating to me is how people who, who live well, a certain kind of way, uh, uh, will tell me what they believe, and then they'll tell me that I'm going to go to hell for believing in the pre-tribulation uh, uh, theology. I'm like, what? That, what? Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the rapture today. And uh, I, I just don't want you to be up. Just, what, if, you, if you believe it's after, middle, some in the middle, some in the... That's up to you. I don't care. It's okay. What's most important is that you know that Jesus is coming again. Amen. That's all that matters, okay? So it just matters that you know. You got to know. You got to know that you know in your knower that he's coming again. Because that's the heart of the Father. Because the scriptures are undeniable. So uh, as we open today, I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. And... And I'll just get us started, okay? So I'm going to talk about the rapture. Let's start in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, we, we preach this a lot at funerals, you know what I mean? We, we, we go after this one. This is, it gets you excited because, you know, the dead are going to rise. That's good stuff. And, uh, and then those who are alive and remain, this is what Paul's saying, those who are alive at the time when he comes and, and remain will, are going to be what? They're going to be caught up. They're going to be lifted from the earth and are caught up together with him in the clouds. Now, it's very important you make a distinction there uh, that, you know, you're not confusing 
the rapture with the second coming. Now, they're go- he's going to come back another time, and his foot's going to step on the Mount of Olives. And when his foot steps on the Mount of Olives there in the valley there, the valley's going to open up, and all the dead, all the patriarchs that live in the valley there are going to come to their life. They're going to get a front row seat in, in, in Jesus' resurrection, so, so in his second coming. So, don't confuse them. So when the rapture, Jesus comes and he, and he, he hangs up there. And then, and then we come up and we meet him. It's very important you, you grab this. We come up and we meet him in the sky. He said, that's crazy. I know, it's so crazy. Watch. We meet him, we meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then it ends with this. Therefore. Comfort one another with these words. Don't you feel comforted this morning? I mean, it should comfort you. And, that, and so I, I also want to address that. Like, there's a lot of people that are like, I don't want Jesus to come back. Why not? Because I want to raise my kids and I want to buy a house. And, I'm gonna, and I just, to that, I say, it's going to be better than that. His God, like, whatever you're thinking is going to be good, I just want you to know his good is gooder than your good. And you want to get excited about his good for you. He's coming back, and he's excited. I'm going to show you how excited he is when he comes back here in a minute. But he comes back, and he's excited. We should be excited. And the New Testament church was excited. I mean, they were excited that he was coming back real soon. Take your Bible and go with me now to Luke 17, 34 to 37. I tell you, in that night, here's some other stuff that we need to talk about. In that night, there's going to be two men in one bed. I don't know why there's two men in one bed. But I ain't sleeping with no, like, Brian, you have to sleep on the floor, bro. You know what I mean? If we're awesome, you go sleep on the floor, man. I ain't sleeping with you. Then one will be, that's not the interpretation of it. it. It's. It's, it's people. Yeah, it's people. I'm just poking fun there. Don't get mad at me. Everybody's so sensitive. Be so sensitive. Get out of your feelings. It'd be one. One's going to be taken away. Then one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken and the other one will be left. Two men will be in the field and then one will be taken and the other one will be left. And they answered and said to him, where, Lord? So he said to them, wherever the body is there, the eagle will be gathered together. Now, let's talk about this. What? What is the rapture? Now, before I start talking about, before I start discussing it, it's very important that when you study the scriptures, and this is where we get it wrong a lot. You know, this is where we kind of get confused. Because when we study scripture, we study it. Uh, from our perspective, backwards. So we study it from what we're going through, the reality of that experience, and then we try to take what we're reading and make it relevant today. But sometimes you can, you can mess up like that, right? So when you, when you study Scripture, you've got you to gotta, you gotta ask yourself a few questions. Like, okay, so what's the historical account of what I'm reading? Historically, and know, know this, that the Bible, Bible is not fairy tales. It, it is a literal history book. 
You know, there's like, I heard somebody the other day say this, and I don't know that, I probably shouldn't say it, I don't know the reference, but it was so, it's like there's over 2,500 prophecies, and 2,000 of them have been fulfilled just as they were prophesied. That's historical evidence that the Bible is not a fable, but the, fi- the Bible is literal in its application to the believer. And so you, historically, you've got to ask yourself, historically, what was happening in, in what I'm reading? And then you've got to say, okay, culturally, what was happening? Very important that you know the culture. One time I was preaching long ago, and if you're in here, and I don't, forget, I don't remember who you were, but you got mad at me because I had a hat on. You got mad at me because I had a hat on. This is back in the, in the epic. Anybody remember epic? You remember epic? Yeah. I was doing this young adult ministry, Epic, and, and I wore a hat. I was trying to be super cool. Today they wear skinny jeans and, you know, whatever. But I, then it was a hat, so I wore a hat. And then uh, one of the elders came up to me afterwards, and, man, they gave me the business. You, you, you are a man. You got no business covering your head. And even at that young age, I kind of went, and I tried to be as respectful as I could. I just thought, well, is that really culturally what Paul was talking about? That I wear a hat? No, no, I don't think that's what he was talking about. So, so it's easy to take this and then culturally misappropriate what you're reading. And culturally, you know, you got to you, you misappropriate it, and that's why you got to read it from there to here, not here to there. And you got to understand where it was written, right? Like, like archaeologically, uh, uh, geologically, you got to understand where was this thing written? It was written from the east. It was written from the Middle East. And so its perspective is we don't live with the reality of here to there. We live with the reality of there to here. That's important. So culturally, let's understand something. Uh, when, we, when we reference the rapture, we can understand that two-thirds of the New Testament was written with a perspective of the Galilean culture, right? Now, all you Bible scholars in here, you're locking eyes, you're kind of going, that's true, that's true. Jesus was raised in Galilee. He went to church in Galilee. His family was from, his friends were from there. The Galilean culture would have been a huge, would have had huge consequence on how Jesus interpreted and told parables. You see all through the Bible, right, in the New Testament, how Jesus told parables. He would say the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed in Matthew 13. What's that mean? Well, if you take it from the culture from which it was written, it's very, very, very significant. And that's why I got tattoos on my arm. All of the, the, and some of y'all like, you're going to hell for that too. Just chill. Stop sending people to hell. So I want to talk about So it's important. So I want to talk about the rapture today from the perspective of a Galilean wedding. A Galilean wedding. And I want you to understand that when Jesus talks about the rapture, he, all through the Bible, all through the New Testament, he's referencing a wedding that he experienced from a very young age that took place The wedding would start something like this. Now, they're very family-oriented there. We're kind of falling apart as families. And we should probably fix that. But they were very family-oriented. And so 
the father had an enormous impact on the son. He, he, was the, he would arrange the wedding for his son. And when the father determined the time was right, in the context of the son's time given to him, he would say to his son, it's time. And the son then, now the son was raised with expectation that one day he would be married to his beautiful bride. One day his son's, his father's going to come to him and tell him, son, it's time. Let's go get your bride. So the son's working and, and, and the father approaches the son and says, son, it's time. Let's go get your bride. And so the father, you okay, Hans? Shut up. So the father would say to the son, okay, let's go get your bride. And the son would jump up. Because remember, he's been waiting for this. He's excited about this. He was raised to be excited about this. And the son would, he, you know what he would do? He would get a bunch of his groomsmen before the day. Before, before the father ever called him, he would go assemble all his groomsmen kind of like the disciples in Jesus. He would go get all of his groomsmen, you see me? And, and he would get them, and he'd say, hey, my father said, it's time, it's time, come with me. He would tell the family, it's time, it's time, come with me. The family and the father now would follow. The, the son would lead, but the father would be just behind him. And as the son would lead, they'd come to a place where uh, they, would send, they would send a forerunner before the father to let the bride know it's time. John the Baptist went before Jesus and let him know it's getting ready to be time. I mean, it's getting ready. They would send him in front of him and say, get ready, get ready, he's coming, get ready, he's coming. And, and, and the bride would come out. And as the bride came out, they would approach and everybody would, would assemble out in the middle of the city streets. They would all come out of the houses because there would be a noise of the forerunner going before them. Make straight paths, let everything be cleared out. The groom is coming. And the groom would come, and he'd be led by, by his forerunner. And as he came, the bride would come out of her house, and she would be excited too because she knew she was getting married. Remember, it was prearranged. She came out. She's excited. The bride's excited. You should write that down. We should get happy. It's time to get happy, church. She came out. And as they all gathered around, the father would step forward. And the father would read the covenant contract of marriage. He would literally stop everything and he would open a covenant contract. The terms of the covenant agreement between the father, the son, and the bride, he would begin to read. I want you to know today we have a covenant contract. This is literally what happened in Galilee. And the father sent a covenant contract. And he, would, he reads the covenant contract to his bride. And as the bride, we got to know what's in the covenant contract. We're getting ready to get married. It would, it would make a lot of sense to know what are the terms of our covenant. When you got married, you exchanged a covenant contract. 
Yeah, yeah. When you got married, you said, I'll take you in sickness and in hell. When you're rich or you ain't got no money. When you're happy, when you're sad, when you're short, when you're... I'm going to love you when you're never going to get fat, so I'm going to love you forever. Right? You have an exchange of a covenant contract. Do you know what's in your covenant contract with Jesus? Do you know? Here it is. So after the covenant contract was read, I, I want to make sure I'm reading these texts to you because, you know, I can get to go and, and then I, I miss the text, you know. So, so let me go back and just look at my, my notes. So make sure I want to be, I want to be. So the covenant contract. Yes, so I did. Okay. So after the reading of the covenant contract, there's something real significant. That takes place. The groom would approach the bride. The groom would approach the bride. The father would take a cup and he would take wine and he would pour it into the cup and he would give the cup to his son. The son, in, the, in, the, in front of all the witnesses, the son, nobody's going to drink after me but you, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> the son would take the cup of covenant that we call communion. But in the context of Jesus, he used communion, the supper. His reference was the Galilean culture of how we would use the supper to celebrate the betrothal of marriage. So the son takes the cup. Now this is a very significant moment. He drinks from the cup. And he says this. I won't drink from this again with you until we get to my father's house. And after he says those words, this is a really big moment. John 1.12, I believe. It says, it's, it has to be a willing participation. She has to be in agreement with the covenant. If, if she doesn't want this moment, if she has decided she doesn't want to be married, it's an act of her own will to stop it right now. And so the, after he says that, he extends it to her. Now, when he extends it to her, this is very important. If she receives the cup, She receives the covenant of the terms of the agreement that the Father just read. So as the son extends the cup, the, the husband, the groom extends the cup, by receiving it and drinking it, she has to drink it willingly. She, girl, go ahead. <laughs> drink some more. <laughs> 
See how fast she drinks. She want to drink that cup real fast. That's the anointing. You know what I mean? If you if you ugly, just get anointed and make you. By her receiving it and drinking it, what she says is, "I'm all in." And what's really important now for us to understand this: when we receive communion. What we're saying with receiving the cup, what we're saying is we agree to what Jesus, we agree to the terms of the covenant. We agree to the terms of separation. We agree to the terms of purity. We agree to the terms of waiting. We agree to the terms of expectation. We agree to the terms that are written in the covenant. And by receiving the cup, we say, guess what? At that moment, you know, the moment she received the cup, the moment you put your lips to that cup, you are married. You're married. And as you're married, now we enter into this moment, this moment of waiting. Luke 22, 18 says, For I say to you, I will not drink. Where have you heard this? I'm not going to drink from this cup until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus, before he leaves his disciples, what did they do? They, ha- they drink from the cup, and what does Jesus say to them? In the context of a Galilean wedding, Jesus says to them, we're not going to do this again until I come back to get you. I'm coming back to get you to fulfill the, the rest of the covenant. Now, you got to know, as you receive it, the disciples knew. The disciples knew. They were raised with Jesus and Galilee. They knew the context of, of how they were receiving the cup. As they received it, they said, yeah, you're right. We'll drink it together when you get back because you're coming for us. So go to Luke 19, verse 13. Now, after the cup, they enter into one year, one year of preparation. And the one year is significant because remember, as they wait in that one year, there's a lot to do. There's a lot going on between the cup and the consummation. And just because it's not fulfilled yet, it doesn't mean we're not married. The church is married. You're married. He says in Luke 19, 13, he called his servants to him. He said, delivered delivered them their minas. And he said to them, what did he say? Do business till I get back. So, So Jesus told his disciples, like, look. I'm leaving, and I'm going to do what? Prepare a place for you. And as he goes away, there's, a, there's about a one year. And in that one year, only the Father knows. So as the, 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 the Scriptures make it clear that the angels don't know, 
nor does even the son know when he's going to be signaled to come back. And, but we do know that in this year, there's a lot to do. So the bride then, she's got to go and get ready. She's got she's to get ready. She's got to go get a dress. She's got to go prepare herself. She's got to get her bridesmaids dressed. They got to get ready because you can't, you, you, you can't get into the marriage supper of the Lamb without the garment of Christ. You have to have the garment of Christ. So she goes and she gets her dress, which means, you know, she's going to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. As a believer, we can't get into the marriage unless we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. She goes away. Jesus then, the, the husband now, the groom, would go away, and what would he do? He would begin to prepare their home. He would go and he would begin to build onto the Father's house where he and his bride would eventually come and dwell together forever. The, the, the groom would. So he goes away and he starts, he gets building material and nails and he's, he's building onto the house and he's getting ready. Now, what's important here, the principle that's hidden here that's important to recognize is this, that we're not staying here. That, that Jesus, the, the, the groom, is coming back for us. He's got, the Bible says, he's, got, he's working on mansions over there. Over yonder, there are some mansions being built for you. Something better is being built for you on the other side of this. And notice that, that the... the the groom doesn't come and dwell with the bride. Mm -mm. You see this? The bride awaits the groom, <clears throat> and when he arrives, they leave there, and they go to where he has prepared. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father, I, didn't I tell you, in my father's house, there are many mansions, and I'm going there to set it all up because I'm excited. I'm building this thing just for you and me to get together on the other side. Not here, but there. We're going somewhere. So, so he, he, he goes and he builds. So this, this is where, you know, we need to understand that, that while he is away, we got some stuff to do. He said, you do business till I get back. You occupy territory till I return. You hold it down here till I get back to get you. I've given you all authority now, bride. Bride, I've given you all authority now. You hold it down here till I get back. There's nothing you need that I have not provided for you, but it's necessary, Jesus said, for me to go away. And while I'm gone, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that's going to come. It's going to let you know the terms of our covenant so you don't get confused so you understand clearly exactly what we got going on here so in the days where you you begin to question my arrival the days when you begin to question my goodness the days when you begin to question my faithfulness i got i sent you a holy spirit to remind you no we are married he's gonna remind you no no you're married he got groomsmen around you to remind you no no you need to understand you're married you got a covenant agreement you're the healed of the lord you got joy in the morning you got joy at night there's not a double night you're coming out of the night and you're coming into the morning. 
Now, there's a, there's a year there, about a year. Sorry. Stepped on it. There's about a year there. And the culture, the reason there's about a year is this. Because the father wants to make sure that the bride ain't been messing around. So he gives it about a year. You read through the Bible and find how many times you see that expression. About this time next year, you're going to be with child. So the father says, no, we're going to give it about a year. Because we need to make sure that you're pure and devoted to only my son. So we're going to give this thing some time. And time has a way of searching the heart. I mean, time has a way of revealing what's in there. Time has a way of letting you know if there's any ugly inside of you. The longer time, the longer time goes on, the more frustrated we become, the more tendon, we, we're more ten, we have more of a tendency to like give up and say, ah, he's not coming back. Uh, you know, Second Peter 3, 4, I think it was. They've been saying this for years. He's not coming back. I quit. I'm going to go ahead out here and live my life I'm gonna go fall in love with another husband so the father lets the time go by to test the purity and the devotion of the bride remember that the next time the enemy comes banging on the door tempting you to give up the covenant of agreement of marriage that God made between you and him Remember that it's a tactic of the enemy to wear you down, to wear you out, to frustrate you, to get you to, 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 get you to be offended and, and be mad and, and, and let roots of bitterness grow. Remember that the next time in the middle of the night when he comes lying. So we got work to do. And then, and then we're told that that remember, only the Father knows, only the Father knows the day or the hour. There's this night that will come. There's going to be a night that will come. We don't know. We don't know the day. But we know it's going to be at night. We know this because he said... Those wise virgins, there was 10 of them. And some of them was wise enough to keep oil in their lamps. So that tells me that he's coming when the world is the darkest. So we don't know. Only the Father knows the time. We don't know the time, but we do know the darker it gets, the more ready you better be. The more, the, the, the more evil it becomes, you better start pressing your dress a little bit more. You better start keeping a little bit more. How many know it's dark out there right now? It's getting dark out there. That tells me I don't know when. And if anybody tells you they know when they're lying, you can go ahead and say, as a matter, my son used to always call me, you know. He would call me when he was a teenager. You know this. He would call you and say, hey, Dad, I saw something on TV. Is Jesus coming back? This preacher said he's coming back tomorrow. I said, you can go ahead and rest tonight. That preacher, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. Can you just go ahead and go to sleep Tonight, you don't have to worry about him coming tomorrow. 
<laughs> Caleb, he, he's all, he still called me. Dad, what, did you see that prophecy? I said, son, you out here living crazy, but you're asking me about prophecies, you know? <laughs> well, Jesus, I just want to be ready, Dad. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, listen. We know it's coming at, he's coming at night. And because we know he's coming at night, the darker it gets, the more devoted we must become. The harder the enemy pushes, the more pure we must live. The harder the enemy brings offense to the believer and tries to divide him from the covenant contract, the more we must push in and not be, and not be divided from what he said. The darker the day gets, the more focused we must become, the more pure we must become, the more devoted we must become. It says in the middle of the night, though, there's going to be in the middle of the night, the father is going to come to the son. He's going to get up. And here's what happens. Here is how, here's how excited they would live. In that year, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids would sleep together. They would sleep together because they knew at any second the shofar is going to blow. And when that shofar blows, it's time to get married. So we don't have time to get married. We, it's, time to, it's time to consummate marriage. So it, it, we don't have time to get ready. We got to stay ready. So it's said in that time culturally that the bride, she would sleep in her wedding dress. Let me ask you something. You sleeping in your wedding dress? You expecting them to come like that? Your wedding dress is the robe of righteousness provided by Christ. Are you sleeping in his righteousness? Not in your good works, not in your efforts, not in your vanity. Are you sleeping in the righteousness God provided for you? Are you ready at any second? Do you sleep with your dress on? Because it's coming at night when the shofar will blow and the father will say, he will wake his son up, he'll say, and the sun will be, wake up, wake up. It's time to go get your bride. It's time to go get her. And the sun is so excited. He's been waiting for this. It says in the scriptures, I want you to read it. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, I want you to see this. The Lord himself he's gonna descend from heaven and he's gonna shout you never saw that before i never saw that before but I want you to know the context of which it was written. It was written in the context of a Galilean wedding that when the father wakes up the son, the son is so excited that he begins to shout for joy because it is time to go get his bride. And I want you to know on that great getting up morning that Jesus is going to call your name. He's going to shout for joy over his beloved. And just like he called Lazarus out of the grave, he's going to call you out of this earth. He's going to call your name he's excited about coming to get you and we ought to be excited about his arrival to get us he's gonna shout and then the angels of heaven are gonna blow the shofar and I got the The angel's going to blow the shofar in the middle of the night. 
and they're going to run through the city. And the, and the forerunner of Jesus says, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming to get his bride. And they're going to run all through the city. They're going to run all through the earth. The angel's going to run all through the earth. And there's going to be a shofar blown. And whenever the shofar is blown, it signifies victory and celebration. And I want you to know in 23, it's time to start celebrating the arrival of Jesus. It's time to start getting excited about the promises of God found in the covenant contract that we're married to the groom. And he's coming for us soon. He's coming for me. And if you believe in a Jesus that's going to leave you here, if you believe in a husband that's going to leave you in despair, now I'm going to step on your toes a minute now. You believe in a husband that would leave you to fight alone? Eli ain't got that in him. No. He's more honorable than that. I was getting ready to board a plane from Israel, and my wife was bleeding to death. And I tell you, there wasn't a jet that could get me there fast enough. There wasn't, there wasn't a mechanism in this earth that could have got me there fast enough. My heart for my bride was to be present in her suffering and to rescue her. And if you think the heart of Christ is to leave you here and suffer through the pain and destruction of all hell's fury, you've got it wrong. You've got it wrong. That is not the Jesus I know. That is not who Jesus is. He did not suffer and die on Calvary's hill. All of the affliction and all of the sin of all mankind to leave you to experience the hell and the fury and the wrath of God the Father. No, that is not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is to rescue and to ransom those who are his. And I want you to know he's coming back for you. I want you to know he's madly in love with you. He's so excited to see you. They said there was ten virgins. And those ten virgins. He said some of them were wise. And some of them weren't ready. He said the wise ones, they kept oil in their lamp. Because they knew the darker it got, the more oil they would need. The darker it gets, the more oil you need. When, when grandpa left, he needs more oil. 
when it falls apart, you need more oil. You're going to need the oil because the oil is the only thing that brings the light in the middle of the darkness and you got to be ready. So you got to have the oil. What's the oil? The oil is the presence of the Holy Spirit and obedience to His voice. If you'll be obedient to His voice, you'll live with the oil. You'll be full. The Bible tells us to be full of the Spirit of God. To be full, to be filled with the Spirit of God. So you're not empty on the day of His arrival. So you're not found wanting in the day when he comes that you're full of the spirit and you immediately take and light the darkness because he's coming at night could be any second could be any day but I want you to know he's coming he's coming and when he comes he's going to penetrate the darkness and they would all assemble and everyone would come out of their homes to the marriage of the lamb and his bride. And they would all bring their, their lamps. And they would follow the wedding procession. And the Bible says, if you could just follow me with the scriptures, I don't, it's towards the end here. And the Bible says that they're going to follow Jesus. And his bride, all the way to the point where they'll stop. And the groomsmen will come. Can I get about six groomsmen to come? Strong men. Six groomsmen. Come on, come on, come on. Come up here around the chair. I need you to pick this chair up and bring it down here. No, no, take it up there. Take it up there. The groomsmen are going to come. And they're going to carry what is called a leader all the way to the front. And, and layer it, lay it down on the ground in front of the bride. They won't drop you. <laughs> and the groomsmen will come and they'll lay, they'll put the leader down. But, but they'll set it right down. They're going to set it right down in front of her. Set it down. And in that moment, she's going to step into the seat provided by the groom. The seat provided by the groom. And then it says, they will take the leader, surround it, sit back, hold on. <laughs> hold it there, right there. And it says in First Thessalonians 
4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will, what? They will rise. And it says that they will lift the bride. In that moment, they lift the bride, and they take the bride into the marriage supper of the Lamb. She is carried and caught away to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says in that day that you and I, there's going to be a dark night that will come, but in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught away. We're going to be raptured. We're going to be lifted into the sky. No more to see death. No more to see hell. No more to see destruction. But God, the groomsman's coming for me, and he's lifting me away from this pain, from this hell, from this destruction, and he's taking me away into the marriage supper of the Lamb. You can put her down now. (laughs) It says, then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Thank you, guys. You could could come down. Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready? Matthew 25, 10, it says, While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in. They went into the wedding with the groom, and the door was was shut. The door was shut. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because it's very clear. He's coming. And when he gets here, he's catching away those who are ready. Those who are prepared. We're out of here. But if you're not ready... The Bible says this, the door will, it'll be shut. If you got to go get some of this, while he comes, the door's going to shut. And you got to be ready. And I want you to be ready because, because man, if, I just want you to consider this. If his presence is that good, when he's not here. Oh, if his presence, if in this room when Jesus comes in and he's not here, I mean, his, his spirit is here, but his, his, he, he is not here as a person. But I just want you to know if it's that good when he's not here, if it's that 
good and glorious and majestic if goosebumps come when he's not here. I mean, if it's euphoric when he's not here, I, want, I don't want you to miss when he comes and he catches us away and the marriage supper of the Lamb happens and the consummation of all the ages takes place. I mean, can you imagine the euphoria on that day? When you came in, you received the cup. You received the cup when you came in. Today, when we, as we close, the altar call is this. Keep your dress on. Sleep in your wedding dress. Get ready. Be ready. As you open up your communion, let's stand to our feet as we receive. So that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, they had supper. Jesus broke the bread. He's the bread of life. The bread speaks to you and I today of our betrothal to him. It tells us that he has made provision for every one of our needs. This is what the bread represents. It's his body broken for you and me. It's heaven on earth Wow, he's not on earth. It's the reality of his presence when he's not here. It is the bread of life. And when we receive it today, we remind ourselves that he is not here. He is in heaven. He's making more provision there. Hallelujah. He's making provision there. He's building something there. His bread, his bread here reminds us that he is building an eternal home for you and I there. And so we receive it together. And we say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you provide for every one of my needs. Every one of them. Too many of us live by want. You don't get what you want. You get what you need. And I'm going to encourage you. Today, as we move into 23, make your wants needs. And tell Jesus to pray your need, not your wants. If you want it, you'll give yourself an excuse for not getting it. But if you need it, it becomes necessity in your life. You must have it. You must have healing. You must have forgiveness. You must, be, you must live in the goodness of God. You must, I need it, God. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need you, God. then he took the cup on the night before he was to be crucified he took a cup not like we're doing it here 
I mean, if y'all would do it, I would do it. But hey, I'm going to take a drink and y'all drink it. Because he drank it. Go ahead and drink it. And I want you to know that his lips touched that cup. <laughs> his lips touched that cup. Because what he was saying to them is, listen, I'm coming back. He extends the cup. And I want you to know as you, you just drank it. And by drinking that cup, what he was telling them is what I'm telling you. You are now married. You're married. Jesus has got it. He's not here right now. But he's coming back real soon. We drank the cup and we said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be married to Jesus. Once and for all, I'm going to be married to you, God. There's no turning back. If none go with me, still, I will follow. It's just you. Just all for you, Jesus. All of me. All of you. I'm sold out for you. I'm married to you. Keep your dress on. Stay ready. Stay pure. Stay blameless. Don't take off the dress, his righteousness. Don't take it off. No matter how, no matter how much the enemy defiles you, no matter how many times you, you miss it or make mistakes or mess up, I want you to know, just keep your dress on. You got to keep your dress on through the shame. You got to keep your dress on through the divorce. You got to keep your dress on through the rejection. You got to keep your dress on. Don't you take it off. Don't you take off the robe of his righteousness. Because it says, you're not going into the marriage supper of the Lamb without the garment of Christ. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're excited, God. We have anticipation. You are not a man that you should lie. You are coming back for me. You are devoted, you are, you are faithful, you are good. I can't wait for you to get back. Nothing I have here compares to what you have for me. Oh, I'm so excited, God. I'm with anticipation over when you're going to come because I know, God, it's so much better than what I have here. If you're here today and you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, Christians are praying all over the room. If you're here today and you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart where the issues of life flow and make me brand new. I give you my life. Take it now. Destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. Make a scar on this earth with my life for all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you give him praise today? He's coming soon. If you need prayer today, if you prayed that prayer of, uh, of faith today with us, if you need prayer in this room, uh, you need a word from God, direction in your life, we want to pray for you. Altar ministers are going to come to the front. We want to pray for you. God bless you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Don't miss midweek services. Bring some, some people this year to, to the Lord. Bring some people this year to the Lord. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless you.